Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. We're going to talk about the memification of politics and the presidential election year now because viral content dominates the political landscape. I obviously uh, am not bringing you anything new by saying that. And and memes, and we're going to define memes, are playing an outsized role and an ever-increasing role in shaping American politics. Uh, there's a good article about this in The New Yorker by staff writer Claire Malone, who's going to join us in just a second to delve into the memification of our politics. And she explores the way internet culture has helped politicians. They're definitely trying to use it. Observers and the broader public spread their ideas, their misinformation, rally support, or at times create a degree of chaos. And as a result, Claire writes, the 2024 election seems likely to be waged in a media environment where more and more voters are forming opinions based on the funny video their cousin's husband sister shared in a group ch- a group chat. Sound familiar? So what's the first image that you have if I say Joe Biden? Maybe not for you, Brian Lerichel listeners, but for a lot of Americans, it might be what they saw on TikTok of Joe Biden falling off a bicycle or... Donald Trump as seen in mugshots. And Americans may have doubts about Biden's age as reflected by that video, but the former president, Trump, himself only a few years younger than Biden, so far, according to Claire, seems less affected by the memification. Maybe that's a good example of the way memes can shape the public's perception, accurate or not. What does this all mean for 2024? Claire Malone's new article in The New Yorker is called The Memification of American Politics. Hey, Claire, always great to have you. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me, Brian. Would you start by defining meme for the purpose of your analysis? Sure. Um, meme for the purpose of my analysis is usually something these days that goes around on like TikTok or Instagram videos or short videos you might see on Twitter. And it's usually kind of like a funny supposed to be funny, um, funny video or um, visual joke about a topic or a person. Um, and in this case, it's usually uh, there's a lot of political memes going on about Joe Biden and his age and his supposed um, feebleness or fragility or sort of uh, doddering nature. So is there a difference between a meme and a viral moment or viral video or are we talking about the same thing when we we're use kind those of talking words? yeah we're kind of talking about the same thing i mean often what happens is someone might take a raw video from like let's say nbc news and splice it with a funny jokey video and that goes viral as sort of a funny meme or it might just be um, like a cringy moment, an embarrassing moment that goes viral but yes we're sort of we're sort of smushing those two definitions together here so how does a political moment become a meme? Is is there an answer to that? I mean, I wonder if you have a, you know, an example that explains a pattern for how voters get information based on a funny video that their cousin, cousin's husband's sister shared in a group chat, yeah. as you wrote. Sure. Well, I, I sort of ground my piece with the... Um, the the meme or the variations on a meme uh, that Biden is old and that Biden falls a lot. So 
Um, you know, I start with a piece with uh, there's this video of Biden at the Air Force Academy graduation. He falls down on the stage. It's kind of like one of those cringy moments. And that video goes viral, both just the raw footage of it and people sort of posting, oh, cringe comments on TikTok. And then people sort of splicing together, you know, funny videos. So like Trump um, hitting a golf ball and it bopping Biden. And that's why he falls down. Um, and and these memes are let's talk about first what why they connect with people. I think the Biden is old or the Biden is senile meme connects with people because there is a real concern among American voters, Democratic and Republican, that Biden is too old. Um, you know, he's he's in his 80s. I think if he won, he'd be 86 when by the end of his term. And so um, we see in poll after poll that people think he is too old to be president. I should note here, Trump is only four years younger. Um, there doesn't seem to be the same concern, I think, in part because uh, maybe a polite way to put it is Trump projects a certain uh, vigorousness through things like, you know, yelling at a judge uh, during a trial or, you know, th things that are a bit um, yeah. maybe he doesn't act his age all the time. Anyway, these memes get spread in sort of interesting ways. I think they're they're often, um, you know, the TikTok algorithm is meant to pick up uh, content that it doesn't necessarily have to come from a known creator. It just sort of, oh, it speaks to people. So there is a certain element of grassroots virality to memes these days, particularly on on medium like mediums like TikTok. But, you know, I, I talked to an academic for my piece, this guy, Ryan Milner, who is, I mean, I guess you could call him a professional memeologist. He sort of studies um, the way memes have affected our uh, society. And he said that, you know, it's it's there's it's probably a combination, these these Biden political memes. It's probably a combination of genuine grassroots sentiment. People feel this way. They think the joke is funny. They share it around. But also there are ways now in um, professional politics for you to sort of help seed the ground with your memes. So, you know, maybe maybe you put it on the, the right Reddit thread or the right, you know, Discord channel. And then I think the real big ampl amplifier, particularly in conservative media, which I think is much more filled with these kind of memes, is, you know, you get someone like Ben Shapiro, who's a, a well-known conservative podcaster, or Steven Crowder, same thing, a well-known conservative uh, podcaster. And they share, you know, the meme or the sentiment on their shows. And it goes, it blasts out to their listeners who aren't on TikTok or, or who aren't on Instagram. And so all of a sudden we have this information environment that is, you know, we used to call them political cartoons, right? But people are forming their opinions based on these um videos and this this sentiment that's just sort of in in the ether these days of oh cringe biden or you know i guess on the democratic side oh my gosh trump and his and his mugshot you know so it's it's um it's both grassroots and i think a purposeful amplification of memes all right listeners who out there right now has been swayed politically by a meme maybe shared in a group chat Tell us that story, 212-433-WNYC, or who out there knows that anybody else in your life has been swayed politically by a meme, maybe shared in a group chat, and you're kind of horrified by it because it's misleading or shallow or whatever. Tell us your stories, 212-433-WNYC, 9692, call or text for Claire Malone from The New Yorker. What are the political memes you found especially effective, for better or worse, if you have run into them? Uh, do they tend to be um, 
more on the right than on the left if uh, if the algorithm even gives you both sides. 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. For Claire Malone from The New Yorker, whose new article is called The Memification of American Politics. Getting back to Biden and how yeah. the memes portray him as old and feeble, you write that his main appeal was his old white man blandness. It meant that his supporters wouldn't have to tune in to chaotic events. Um, That was, you know, we remember 2020 after four years of chaos with Trump, plus it was the pandemic and the post-George Floyd murder period. Uh, So talk about Biden's what you call old white man blandness um, (laughs) and how that's kind of now being used against him. Sure. I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's no secret that one of the reasons why Biden won the Democratic primary and why Biden eventually won the the election is he sort of was um, he's what we were used to in a president and he's what people thought uh, other people would vote for. And then he ran on a promise of, listen, the Trump years have been crazy. Um, If you elect me, I'm going to make things go back to normal. And people did. Uh, People did elect him and people did sort of tune out of the daily uh, craziness of political coverage. I mean, you know, statistically across the media industry, you're seeing that people are have been tuning out of news for the past couple of years in particular rates, uh, you know, over the past year or two because of, you know, the sort of poundingly sad news of, of wars around the world. So we're seeing fewer people reading the news. And into that vacuum, you know, people aren't People don't actually see Biden every day if they're just, you know, casually turning on WNYC or, you know, whatever TV news they consume. And into that vacuum of, oh, what is Biden doing? Stepped conservative media with, I think, quite effective, um, you know, videos of, you know, the, the, the RNC has this, for instance, six minute, six minute or so long video of Biden looking confused. Right. It's, you know, Biden doesn't know which way to go on stage. I should say here that actually there was a political article about this and um, people, you know, Democratic insiders were angry at his advance team, the people who are supposed to tell him where to go for being inefficient and making him look doddering. But anyway, you know, the RNC has poured efforts into look at this old guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. Biden does have physical stiffness. He is he has an arthritis of the back. He has a foot injury, which does make his gait somewhat stiff, clumsy. Um, and so there are actual factual video moments of him uh, doing this. And so I think uh, in the absence of, you know, big, exciting news like we were used to with Trump about politics, no one really knew what Biden was doing day to day, in stepped, um, you know, the sort of uh, sleek and funny conservative memes about Biden being old. And it helped really um, define him in a way that. Um, spoke to a lot of Americans who, again, were already concerned with the fact that he is too old to be president. Yeah. I I don't know if we can um, make this local, if your reporting has looked at this at all, um, with respect to the Tom Swazi, Mozzie Pillip race that's going on right now, that special election to fill George Mm -hmm. Santos's seat. Um, But, you know, I know you're a New Yorker, and we um, got a text here from a listener that's that's not about that race, but it makes me think about that race. The listener writes, politics is retail and advertisers have been maniacally searching for the viral sauce. 
forgetting that viral by definition requires an unconscious mass, the public, on which to feed and grow. Politicians succeed every once in a while, but the world is lousy with their epic fails, (laughs) Um, meaning, you know, trying to force things to become memes. And I'm thinking about how in that race, Swazi has a lot more money um, than Pillow, from what I've read. And there's a lot more Swazi flyers out there and Swazi advertising on television. Swazi's doing interviews. The Republican isn't even accepting inv- interview invitations very much. Or want, even though she's the less known one, she's not accepting yeah. all but one debate that was accepted you know, precisely at a time that it's going to be as mo- as as ineffective as possible at reaching people um, Thursday night only on cable on Long Island when yeah. the election's almost over, and and they're depending on this kind of Republican voter word of mouth network, and and so to me this is an example potentially of the memification of politics being played out right now before our eyes because it's not before our eyes. One candidate is really campaigning publicly. The other, camp, uh, the other candidate is trying to campaign through what we might be able to call memes. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I, don't, I haven't been following it closely enough to, to be able to speak s- super well. But I will say there is a, you know, in, in, in recent years, just the idea of um, how much should you be in you know, not just the, not just, you know, doing the Brian Lair show or, or, you know, talking to the New Yorker or talking to CNN, um, how much you should be doing news like that, but how much should you be doing um, almost organic uh, campaigning? So um, I'll bring it back to national and I apologize to, to the, to the New York audience for not making it about that, that election. But, um, you know, you see Biden um, trying to compensate in some ways for the fact that he has gone viral for the wrong reasons by um, seeding these little viral moments on social media. So one thing that that campaign has been doing, they don't do as many formal events with the press, um, which is, you know, notable, but they they will and have been increasingly doing these little events where they go to a voter's house for dinner. So Biden swings by, you know, a middle-class family in North Carolina's uh, home. They, he eats dinner with them. You know, their teenage kid films it for TikTok, and then that TikTok goes you know, moderately viral, let's say. And it's sort of a, war, you know, a heartwarming retail event. Because frankly, um, if you've ever watched Joe Biden actually interact with voters, he's pretty good at it, right? He's mm-hmm. He's been in politics since he was 29. He's been running, he's been running for office for a very long time. And he has that kind of folksy, aw shucks thing going on that I think probably does work well in a, in a more intimate setting. Um, but it, it's, you know, how a, a candidate should should seed knowledge about themselves is changing. It's not just through the formal media channels. It's through social media. It's through word of mouth, potentially, you know, if you're if it's strong enough. So I think we're we're watching campaign communications uh, shift before our eyes. Here's a text from a listener says, my biggest problem with these memes is that they are often not even actually funny. If you're going to orchestrate comedic psyops, at least do a good job. Uh, I, you know, is that is is humor the goal in order to get? I mean, we're talking about the most serious things in the world, right? When yep. we're talking about politics, we're talking about whether people have enough to eat. We're talking about war and peace in the Middle East. You know, pick your super serious issue that politics is really about, and then it gets waged on the floor of comedy. 
I mean, for better or for worse, yes, a lot of this is being waged on the level of the one dimensional level of I mean, it's it's often not even political satire. I, I certainly take um, the listener's point that that often it might not be particularly funny. It's more in the realm of like America's funniest home video um, physical physical comedy. Right. Somebody falling down is is sort of like immature uh, humor. Um but I will say, you know, a lot of times um, these memes go viral is because they do speak to just like our, particularly in, in, in the way American society functions right now, they speak to sometimes the things that people feel like they, ooh, can we say that, right? So so often these memes go viral on conservative media because they are a, a little mean, a little one-dimensional, and it sort of, you know... If, if most Americans think that Biden is too old to be president, it does kind of, quote unquote, go there, right? It's sort of a mean humor, but it does get at a gut feeling that people have. So um, whether we like it or not, and I take I take the listener's point that it's not particularly funny, um, that is how a lot of people are forming their opinion. I mean, you know, it's I, my line is always people, people, voters often have very idiosyncratic views and views that are more about, you know, I say like political pheromones, right? You like the, you kind of like, you like the way that person is, you can't really put a finger on their policies or tons of their policies, but you just like the way they are, you have a good feeling about them. And um, it kind of goes out into the world in these, you know, I yeah. think for a lot of people who pay attention, unsatisfying ways. Yeah. And, and of course, there's nothing new about that in electoral politics. Sometimes people just respond viscerally to a yeah. candidate's personality, something right. about them that speaks trust or identification. Um, and this is just the modern technology way that yes. uh, some of that gets shared and, and spread. Olivia in Farmingdale, you're on WNYC. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Brian. I love your show. I try to listen whenever I can. Thank you. So um, just two points I wanted to make real quick. I don't have a meme specifically to talk about, but I want to point out, I do think memes kind of serve our one of our more base human reactions of judgment. And I wonder how much that ties into what people might really think that they don't want to say. And so first point, um, how many polls have been done asking seniors how they feel about Biden being in his 80s as president? Because are we again being an ageist society that is excluding seniors from the conversation when um, there is a lot of wisdom, I think, from elders that we could learn from? And then point two, this again ties into people's judgment with memes that I don't think everybody necessarily wants to admit they have. I am a woman. I would love to have a female president. And I wonder how many people don't want to vote for Biden based on age because they're nervous about then if he's elected and he dies, Kamala Harris becomes president. How many people out there don't want to admit that they're nervous about having a woman and a woman of color as the next president of the United States? Yeah. Thank you, Olivia. That's that's all fair and good points. You know, on the senior citizens, uh, Claire, I don't know if you remember the Eric Adams line when he was running for mayor in 2021, and he would get knocked a lot on social media. And he would say, um, people on social media don't decide elections. 
people on Social Security decide elections <laughs> um, because older people vote at such a higher rate than younger people. Um, so to one of Olivia's points, um, you know, who knows of a backlash against what can be perceived as ageism, you know, might might help Biden, at least with some voters who tend to vote. It's a it's a great point. Um, you know, he's and Eric Adams is right. Um, older voters are the ones who vote. And uh, Olivia, I um, I don't have an answer right off the top of my head about older voters, but these polls do tend to break out their results by age. And my my guess is that you're you know you're you're probably right that older voters are more sympathetic to to Biden. Um, you know, I think to the point about Kamala Harris and and people's dislike of her or maybe their unwillingness to, to sort of explicitly say, I don't want her to be president. I, I think that's probably certainly a factor in all of this. Um, however you feel about it, she is she is not a popular political figure right now. Um, and I'm sure there's there's some of that sort of at work, you know, uh, you know, sometimes they say it's like a pe- people are um, they, the term was that, you know, shy Trump voters, right, that they weren't telling pollsters that they were right. going to vote for Trump. We're not sure if that was true all the time, because actually a lot of Trump voters liked to say that they were going to vote for Donald Trump. But there is certainly that phenomenon that happens within polling where people kind of might they might not want to say it to <laughs> a person, but they might feel it and sort of in their in their poll results sort of say, like, you know, implicitly what they what they really feel. So it's an interesting yeah. point that she brings up. Yeah. And we actually talked about this a little bit in another segment on the show recently about how the polling over time since 2016 seems to indicate, and of course, there's a lot uh, yet to play out in, in this presidential election year, but seems to indicate that a lot of Trump supporters would not tell pollsters in 2016 mm-hmm. because They were embarrassed by it or they thought other people would shame them for it. Now, um, regardless of everything that Trump has done, Trump voters tend to have more open pride about being Trump voters and um, and are willing to share it uh, more than they did. So we'll see how how true we won't really know until after the election how true that is um, for 2024. But it's one of the apparent possible trends over time, disturbing to some people. Dennis in Brooklyn thinks there may not be as much imbalance in political comedy as some of this conversation might suggest. Dennis, thanks for calling. You're on WNYC. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Um, doing all right. You, you, and your guests were saying, you and your guests were saying that um, there seems to be more memification on the right than the conservative side. And I just wanted to point out that... Um, it seems to be all of the comedy seems to be on the left. SNL, you know, Comedy Central, the late night, they all totally make fun of everyone on the right. Look what happened just recently with SNL when the congresswoman from New York questioned Claudine Gay, and Claudine Gay obviously messed up, and they were making fun of the Republican congresswoman. So the memification is just a way of the conservatives and the right having their SNL and their, you know, their way of making comedy of the left. So it's just, yeah. it yeah, barely that, balances it out. Barely. I, I think that's a good point, Dennis. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, and by the way, I saw that sketch, and they were making fun of Claudine Gay, too, on Saturday Night Live that night. Um, but but he's got a point about totally. where the mainstream late night, ho- you know, and even if you go back to the origin of Fox News, it's 
because there was this feeling on the right that the left had the mainstream networks and there needed to be an alternative, an alternative, and it was an act of defense uh, as much as an act of offense as Fox News is seen now. Yeah, I, I think Dennis makes a, a great point. Um, and it has been really interesting to watch in the Trump era. A lot of these na- late night hosts take up this mantle of liberal politics, right? I mean, I think that's, you know, a lot of it when, when Trump was elected was sort of these feelings of, oh, th- is this going to be an anti-democratic um, administration? And I think that there's a lot of people and arguments for, yes, he, he did bring in anti-democratic norms. But the 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 way that comedy has reacted in the past few years has been really interesting to watch. I think they're I think SNL and the late night hosts of late have gotten a lot of criticism for not criticism for not making fun of Biden. And you'll see in comedy just broadly sort of some of these like um, bubbling up stand up acts where they kind of, again, go there. Right. They say the things that that these comedians will go there and say the things that they feel like um, are being policed. Right. We're talking about. Um, gender and pronouns, talking about politics. So I think there is an interesting um, backlash in the comedic community. But I think, again, yes, Dennis, you have a, you have a good point about where comedy I, I, is right I now. I wonder if, and we're going to run out of time in a minute, but I, I wonder if it's a better poll than the polls, um, mm. you know, because what do the networks do for a living? They try to broadcast to as mass an audience as they possibly can. And so if the late night hosts, you know, uh, uh, a, a very important profit center for the major networks um, are finding it in their interest, if the networks are finding it in, tra- in their interest to choose late night hosts who are going to make more fun of the right than make fun of the left. Uh, it's, and that's building their audience. It's kind of a poll of Americans, isn't it? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, money talks, right? Um, and I, I would also suspect there might be some, you know, Listen, I'm, this is this is not an informed or reported out uh, thing I'm about to say, but you know maybe if you're, you know, uh, you know Colbert makes fun of Biden, and then you know your CBS news side wants to get an interview with him, you might get some uh, pushback from the Biden White House saying you guys are mean to us on one of your most popular programs. Uh, what's up? So I think it could be both. It could be both, as you say, Brian, like a, a public poll, but also then the kind of behind the scenes strategizing and politicking in addition to the fact that I think a lot of these um, late night hosts and their writers rooms are liberal. Claire Malone, whose new article in The New Yorker, where she is a staff writer, is called The Memification of American Politics. Thanks a lot, Claire. Thanks, Brian.